Members of the Chamber podcast is presented by Piper Foods and fueled by McCafe. On your way to work, be sure to stop by any of the six Piper Foods McDonald's locations here in Oakville or look them up on any McDelivery service. We thank Piper Foods for their generous support of our chamber and for everything they do in the community. The following podcast is an Oakville Chamber production. Learn the industry, grow your network, and connect to the community with the members of the Chamber podcast, a weekly series where we sit down with esteemed business people making major moves here in Oakville. I'm your host, Rachel Liang, and this is Members of the Chamber. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Members of the Chamber Season 3, which is all about family business. On today's episode, we're joined by mother-daughter duo Bianca Tino and Melissa Gaitani of Tino, Gaitani, and Carusi Chartered Professional Accountants. Bianca started the firm 28 years ago, and Melissa joined the business 17 years later. As accountants, Bianca and Melissa help entrepreneurs with intergenerational transfers of business and wealth every day. Carry on listening to hear their best advice, as well as their own experience working in a family business. Let's get into it. Bianca and Melissa, thank you so much for joining the Members of the Chamber podcast today. You're welcome. Our pleasure. So to get started, can you tell us a bit more about yourselves and your family business? I'll let you start. All right. Um, So I actually started this business uh, about 28 years ago, February 28th, 1994, and um, I was coming from Ernst & Young and uh, thought that I wanted a more personal relationship with my clients and what I could actually give at a larger firm where, you know, there's a bit more guidelines around. And, um, yeah, so I started up not really knowing how hard it is to start up a small business and actually get through it. So lots of sweat equity went into it and lots of uh, long nights and early mornings and, you know, building and so on. And then learning firsthand um, how, how to run a business, how to start a business, how to get to the next level of business and um, all of the drama that comes along with HR and, you know, suppliers and all sorts of things. (laughs) So as an employee, you're very sheltered from that. And as a business owner, um, you learn very quickly that you need to learn how to deal with that. So that's how it started way back when. I never thought Melissa was going to join the family business, if that's what you're asking. (laughs) No, I thought she was going to be an engineer and move along in the world of engineering I mean, that was one of the plans until you dragged me to the university fair. I, <laughs> I talked to, I really was tossing up engineering and accounting, and because I thought ultimately if I hated it, accounting was more useful than engineering. Sorry to any engineers listening to this. I married an engineer, so it's fine. <laughs> um, anyways, I chose accounting. I had a great experience there, but it was the similar like rat race of the big corporate world where you had very little control. I remember there was a moment where I wanted to implement a new software. And they're like, yeah, we can put it on the list in maybe in three years. And I'm like, are you kidding? I want it in three hours. And so I realized that if I can't control the way my career is going, this is probably the end of the road. I asked Bianca to join TGC. She said, no, we don't have room for you, uh, which was interesting. Well, you know, it was just out of the blue that I didn't, I mean, I didn't even know she wanted to leave. And then she comes up one day and she says, so are you ready to hire the best person you've ever met in the world? (laughs) That's a great pitch. (laughs) And I said, like, what, in the firm? And she goes, yes. And I said, well, we're a small firm. We don't have room for another person right now. And then a week later, somebody quit. So that worked out well. 
And uh, my approach to that was, this is my last kick at the can of public accounting. I've seen all of the work and effort that my mom put into growing this business. I also grew up with TGC, so I inherently had a lot of knowledge of the business just from being around it. I remember taking a strategy course in university and being like, you can really apply this to TGC. So I went and presented to the partners at the time some things they should they should think about. And so anyways, so started at TGC. We're 11 years in now, haven't looked back. So <laughs> here uh, we are today. Yeah, so <laughs> here I, we are. I started obviously as an employee uh, and then joined the partnership in 2018. Amazing. When you... Um, first made the decision that, hey, I kind of want to join this this business and make this into a family business. What was that decision process like when you were thinking about, you know, pros and cons and potential situations, things like that? So I was always, I think me more so than Bianca, I was always worried about the nepotism factor. Of, like she was already sitting in the boss chair versus I had to join as an employee. And I definitely didn't want to think, I didn't want my peer group or my managers to think that, you know, I'm coming in with a silver spoon and like I get the path to partnership and like step all over them on the way up kind of thing. So so that's interesting because from where I sat, I was very concerned about nepotism because I didn't want people to think that our firm constituted just a firm of family members and I didn't care about everyone else. And so it's interesting that you didn't think nepotism was as important to me because it was one of the big things that um, affected me. And in fact, there is uh, several clients that, you know, we grew up together in terms of learning how to run businesses and so on. And I went to all three of, or three of them in particular, and said, listen, what do you think? Is this a good move? Or is it better for her not to join me? So that was, uh, it's interesting that mm. it's two different perspectives. So we were both worried about nepotism, yeah. I guess, because uh, ultimately we want uh, we wanted what's best for the business. And there was certainly no, from my perspective, joining didn't mean I'm dedicating my life to this. It meant I'm going to give this the best chance I can. And if I think it's a good match for me, we'll, we'll have those discussions as that progresses. Right. I think the, that's very representative of, you know, the two different perspectives um, of when you're starting a family business. So I think you both represent that pretty well. Um, and that actually segues pretty well into my next question. Um, I know that Tino Gaitani and Carusi offers a wealth of services, um, but one of those is uh, helping people to navigate intergenerational transfer of business and wealth. Can you tell us a little bit more about that process? Yeah. So as Bianca mentioned, we really walk life with our clients and everything that that entails. The fun part about having Bianca in her demographic, I'm not saying old, I'm just saying in your demographic. <laughs> wise. In the wise demographic <laughs> and me in the less... Less uh, wise. No, less old, more wise, I was going to say. Actually, but anyways, whatever. Um, is that we bring two different perspectives to these, these client situations. And so... Our goal is if you're an entrepreneur and you're running a small to mid-sized business and you need help navigating this business, we're going to help you. And so the intergenerational transfers are certainly things that sometimes people come to us with 
The other thing that we try and really push, though, is you can't make a succession plan in five minutes and you can't decide tomorrow that you're going to retire and your kid that you've never talked to is going to take over the business. And so we're also proactively kind of pushing our clients into you don't have to sell tomorrow, but if you're going to sell in five years, let's at least put it on the table and we'll bring we have a four partner firm and we will bring whichever partners to the table that require the expertise that each of us can bring. Um, so we're definitely not a Bianca has her clients, Melissa has her clients, and we don't talk to each other kind of thing. Right. And that's an important thing because we don't silo and we actually, probably all four of us know about all of the clients in the office, but obviously the detail and the engagement of the detail work is held by individual partners. But one of the other things that I think is also very important in thinking about passing on a family business is that there's lots of psychology associated with it. There's lots of emotion associated with it. I mean, I put in a lot of sweat equity, and I'm very grateful for the leaps and bounds we've been able to gain from Melissa's experience and, and forethought or whatever. But Overall if there, pushiness, yeah. If there wasn't <laughs> a basis to start with, you'd have nothing to improve on. And so, um, and for the founder, it's a very different perspective than someone who is excited about making it better and, or bigger, whatever the case might be. So I think oftentimes it's like the family cottage. All parents think that their kids want the cottage, but that's not necessarily true. So it's important to have those discussions on, you know, is any of my, are any of my children interested in succeeding me in the business? Because if so, then the grooming can start happening. And, you know, that will also allow the person to either really know that they want to go in or not. Um, and I, I've, as Melissa said, oftentimes, you know, it's when people are older and, and, you know, they finally have put in a lot of time and kind of say, okay, I want to reap the benefits of my work, that they want to retire. But y- you can do it in a, in a better way, in a more fruitful way, you know, if you're thinking about it and planning about it up front. This is a loaded question. The, the last bit that I would say to that is, your best idea is not going to be your first idea. So you need to start conversations early and often because the more you talk about them and the more people have time away from the discussion to kind of synthesize what's being said, the better result you're often going to get. And so a a situation under any sort of pressure is not going to yield you your best outcome most likely. So Things are going to happen whether you talk about them or not. So you might as well start talking about them right. because it'll make the end result better. And it'll help educate the person who might be considering right. coming in because they may not realize some of the, you know, when we think about HR in a small business, that's a really tough nut to crack. And yeah, when when you're running the place, you look at all aspects of the business, not just the part you're best, you know, best doing or suited to. And you never know what's of interest to somebody. That's why you have to talk about the entire business. Because some people are like, well, if I knew I was going to get paid half a million dollars, I'd put up with a lot of stuff. And some people are like, I don't want to touch that with a 10-foot pole. Like, you know, so you don't necessarily, you can't take for granted what people value. So the more aspects you can acquaint people with, the easier those decisions become. Well, and and finally, I'm just going to add that 
you know, again, as a founder or somebody who's put the sweat equity into building the business, you want it to continue to survive. And so you think to your next generation of doing that. But if that's not the best suitor for the business, I mean, what's wrong with selling it and being right. able to pocket a fair amount of money or whatever it might be, and then being able to enjoy family without the stresses that sometimes go hand in hand with, you know, unlikely suitors trying to work with each other, right? This is so key because Bianca never once pressured me to join the firm, take over the firm, like none of this stuff. It, it kind of organically grew, but... I dissuaded you, actually. <sighs> so we're not, we don't have time for that. But anyway, so the... The thing that is really important to think about, too, is that often entrepreneurs will think of their business as their kids. <laughs> like, TGC is kind of like my third kid. It's kind of like Bianca's third kid. Um, far more useful than the first two. But uh, <laughs> the... And so there's an emotional attachment to the business. And that's reasonable. And it's also... And natural, but at the same time, it doesn't mean if you're just going to sell to an outside party, it doesn't mean that your 25 years of work haven't been worth it. You're just reaping the benefits in a different way, and you know you could use those funds to enjoy your family in a different way. So, getting too emotionally attached to a family business can be a bad thing. And speaking of that emotional attachment, what we see a lot with family businesses is that element of family tends to work itself into the business model itself. Is that something that uh, you've noticed at TGNC as well? So I'm going to say, um, absolutely, we often think of our office as the family of TGC. And, and we like that concept. I like the fact that, you know, I can go into the bullpen and just ask people, you know, how was your weekend? You know, what's new with, you know, so-and-so? Well, this is so. a really tame version of what you actually say. <laughs> Bianca doesn't deal with HR for, uh, I'm sure, the reasons you can imagine. But, but you know, uh, it's, so it's nice to know who's dating who and what they're doing and why and give them advice because, you know, that's what I would do with my kids, right? Yeah. But, um, but it's also nice to know that we can work together and, you know, share values and mores and norms and so on that... Um, you know, allow us to be able to work well together and, and therefore enjoy coming to work. When you're working so many hours of a day at a job, hopefully you're enjoying it because life's too short not to be enjoying it. Absolutely. Yeah. I have a, a couple of opinions on that. It, that So family businesses run what I perceive to be the best way, which like it could not be what other people perceive, which is totally fine takes the elements of family and transforms them into the concept of community. Meaning that, you know, the family of coworker concept, we certainly have, but in the, in the attributes that are important there. Oh, what I'm trying to say is families have a lot of stuff going on in them and like there's no boundaries sometimes and there's all sorts of things that I don't think is appropriate for a workplace. But I do think that the values that come with loyalty and integrity and things like that we certainly try and infuse into the culture i have lots of my peer group asking me well how do you get such a culture at tgc show me and it, it's not a magic potion culture is a living thing and you constantly have to work at it and it's dictated from the top surely 
However, you need the entire organization to buy into that. Otherwise, it's useless. And so we do a lot of little things that are, are gestures of community within each other, uh, to each other and within our client base that I think grow a culture of, I'm just going to hate that I'm saying this on air, of give a sh- uh, <laughs> because like that's ultimately what, what we're aiming for. And it, it, that can't be a clearer version of like what we try and accomplish. Perfect. Now, when it comes to working with family, um, do you have any strategies for working with family or like, you know, did you have any conversations beforehand, you know, set certain rules or anything? What are your strategies going in? How many banger blowouts have we had in 11 years? Three? Maybe. Yeah. It hasn't been too bad for the people that we are. <laughs> it's, uh, it's surprising yeah, that very we've only had uh, three major blowouts. I would say... Um, I would say there's no formula for that. I think you need to understand what is appropriate and not appropriate within the relationship that you have. We definitely talk about work in our personal life. And I was going to say communication is key because, you know, it's uh, having that vested interest and wanting to make it the best it can be. And, um, I mean, we do have to say, okay, we have to stop talking about the office now. And Especially when our husbands are rolling their eyes. And yeah. <laughs> yes. So, you know, because it can consume you in a positive way, not necessarily in a negative way. But it's through that discourse and communication that ideas flow. And I find that a lot of entrepreneurial clients at a certain size, like once they get beyond a certain size, you, you're almost forced to put the pillars in place that will alleviate some of, of the smallness. But at a smaller level, you do have to, I find they're often working so much in the business that it's really hard to take themselves out of the business to work on the business. And if you're not working on the business, then you're doing yourself a disservice. And I, I've often said to my clients, you know, you know your business is running when, really well when it doesn't need you to run it because you now have put in place the systems or people that can help run it. So, of course, if a client has been a client for 25 years, you know, my head's storing a lot of information about that person or that family or that business, and, you know, it comes out as I speak to them. So I can add a lot to that conversation, but if that client really needs something done, they shouldn't have to rely on me being the only person that can help them do that. Right. And so that's why it's important that entrepreneurs do think about working on their business so that they can create a business that whether it's going to be succession planning within the family or being sold, it is a viable business that can be sold. And I think the family relationship uh, need, like varies from entrepreneur to entrepreneur. I don't know any entrepreneurs that work nine to five, close their door and be like, oh, my brain is switched off from my business. It becomes part of who you are. And so... You know, if Bianca didn't want me to talk to her about work, we'd do that. But in our case, we, we drink wine on Friday afternoons to think about <laughs> working on our business. So. Or, you know, we're, we're somewhere and somebody says, oh, my, you know, my, my spouse fell and, you know, broke their hip or something. And the first thing we think about is disability, disability tax credit. <laughs> credit <yeah. laughs> so it seems like, you know, regardless of strategy or whatever, you guys are just very much on the same page. And that helps a lot. I mean, I would say we're on 60% of the same page. I say, I think vision-wise, we're definitely on the same page. We know where we want to go. I think there's a healthy discourse between the two of us of 
she thinks one thing, I think another thing, and probably a combination gets us to the better place. And I think it's important, too, to understand, if I think about age difference as well. So, you know, I've lived the 28 years in the firm, and so I've experienced a whole bunch of stuff. And Melissa's lived 11 years in that firm and has experienced a whole bunch of stuff. But, you know, when I think of my older clients who have been with me many years, their needs, wants, thinking is perhaps very different than somebody who's, you know, 30, starting off a new business, thinking about other things. So, um, for example, estate planning. Uh, You know, I have lived life with my clients. We've gone through the stage of having kids, getting them through school, getting them through university. Parents are now getting older, so now we're dealing with that phase of life. And because we can assimilate with that better, there's good contact there. And for the our younger clients who are starting off and getting things off the ground and, and that sort of thing, it's really great that uh, a more peer group level person can deal with them. But when the two thoughts combine, it's really great because, you know, there's the immediate thinking, the longer, the more sort of interim thinking. And then, you know, I can sort of envision down the road what will happen. So, you know, many times I'll say to my young guys, yeah, I, I want you to pay a little bit of CPP because, you know, you're going to be 65 before you know it, and then you'll be glad that you paid a little bit, even if you don't pay the whole amount, right? Right. Um, or, you know, yeah, let's just put $1,000 in the RSP right now because, you know, you'll you'll be happy you did sometime down the road, whereas in the moment you may not think it's important because you'd rather have the cash, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And what would you say has been the best part, whether it's personally or just, you know, work environment, whatever it is, what's the best part about working with your family? I can go first. (laughs) Go for it. (laughs) So for me, it's been the, um, and you can imagine, Melissa's been with us 11 years. I've had the firm, you know, 28, 29, 28 years, I guess. Um, But having someone that can think side by side with you, and cares as much as you do to make things better, you just can't buy that. It's not a quality that is easily found. So we do have some great people in the office, and I can see a few of them that have good sparks of that quality. But I think the uh, because Melissa grew up, you know, breathing TGC. I mean, violin lessons would be done at the office because I wouldn't have time to go back and forth. <laughs> so, you know, her dad would drive her over and help her. And then, you know, so there, there's there been a lot of, um, I'm going to say sacrifice from every family member to get us where we are. And having somebody that cares that much to make it better and, you know, has been able to you know, get more education and be able to get, you know, uh, a further thinking process going has been great from our, from a strategy point of view. And it's that safety of knowing that someone's got your back regardless of what happens. So that for me has been the best thing. Most of the time I have your back. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, for me, it's just like added a, a new better dimension to our relationship i could see how it, go, it could go the other way if it went sour but uh my mom's like good at her job i've learned a lot from her and honestly i'd rather help build a business she started could you make sure you put yeah that we're in on the air podcast. that's <laughs> enough that's really important i need to tape that maybe send me a recording yeah i can't say anything else see where ego's gonna get too big 
you guys so much. This has been such a great conversation. I think there are a lot of really great nuggets of advice in this episode. Um, so thank you on behalf of our listeners. And for our listeners who would like to know more about your business, where can they go on uh, website, social, that kind of thing? I mean, they can go to our website. We're also a really hands-on um like we work hands on with our clients. We do not slap things out the door and never talk to people. So just call us. We will definitely yeah. happy to have a chat. Perfect. Yep, for sure. Awesome. Well, thank you guys again. You're welcome. Well, this was fun. Thanks for tuning in to the members of the chamber podcast by the Oakville chamber of commerce. Connect with hundreds of Oakville businesses and learn more about what we do at oakvillechamber.com.